Well, I was seeking the Lord yesterday, and God just uh, led me in this direction. And this morning, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. And uh, it had to have been the Lord because, uh, you know, uh, I said, Lord, you got to speak to me something for Mother's Day. And if that's the direction you want me to go, and, and you know, the Lord just brought this to my mind and in my spirit, and so this is where we're going to go this morning, in the will of God. I know that there's nothing that's coincidence or by accident with God. All things are ordained in His perfect will, and uh, He, you know, even in this, uh, this message, in this account in the Bible about how that God specifically and uh, ordained for this widow woman. Uh, to be a blessing and to increase the faith in her and and see a great tremendous blessing uh, in her life and for her family. You know, you've you've really uh, been a person of great faith if you make it from the Old Testament to the New Testament. You know, there's good people and bad people that made it to the to the New Testament. Balaam was not good; he was bad. Amen. There's different ones that were not. Good and they Jezebel she made it into the New Testament, but but not for anything she did good, but because of the wickedness. But then there are those that carried over into the New Testament that are written in the Hall of Faith, and uh, you know uh, I'm so grateful for that. We can we can read that and know that there's hope for every one of us. Amen. And uh, but this morning I want to just speak for just a little bit here. A mother of great faith in First Kings chapter 17, starting with verse eight. The Bible says this, we're going to read this and then we'll pray. It says, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. God beholds great faith. Amen. He beholds when people pray. Uh, but he says, Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose, Elijah did, and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first and bring it unto me and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord, the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah the prophet. Amen. We're going to preach a mother of great faith. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you for the time to come to break open the bread of life. And Lord, um, this is not a sermon, but it's a message to us all, not just to the mothers, uh, but it's to each and every one of us, Lord, because you, 
Lord, uh, give us that gift of faith. And God, we must have faith to be able to please you. It's according to your word. That's what it says. And I ask you today, as I preach this, that you will just lay lay your hand upon me. Your anointing, God, will uh, give the words that I speak power, God, and make it effective. And God, minister to each and every one. Build us up, encourage us, edify us. Lord, in the word of God, and we'll give you all the glory and honor. We thank you today. In Jesus' name we ask, amen and amen. Now, as I said, God spoke this to me in prayer. And, you know, I was dwelling on this and I thought, you know, there's a lot of great men of faith in the Bible. Noah was a great man of faith. He did exactly what God told him to do. And the scripture says in Hebrews that he, uh, he built an ark for the preservation of his family. There were others, uh, Abraham and, and many of the patriarchs in the Old Testament and New Testament, men of great faith. Uh, but there are great women of faith and mothers of faith also in the Bible. And I want to share that with you today. And we can learn much from the mothers of faith in the Bible. Thank God for a mother who loves God and who knows how to pray. A mother who knows how to get a hold of God. And, uh, you know, faith in God is so vitally important. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, there is uh, no reward. We must, as the scripture said, know that he is God and that he is a rewarder of the diligent seeker. We must come to him in faith. And so faith, you know, comes with great rewards and blessings. Faith is a gift from God that he puts in you. One thing that I've learned a long time ago is that you can't conjure up or build up or try to work up faith. God has to give that to you. I know for a fact because I laid in a hospital bed, you know, practically on my deathbed and God gave me a gift of faith and told me, get up out of this hospital bed and walk out of this hospital. I'm going to heal you. And as I begin to operate in faith that he gave to me, it's a seed of faith. I begin to walk out of that place healed by the power of God. I stand here today, amen, a miracle of somebody that's been healed by the power of God. So I know faith is a gift that God gives to you, and that's the only way that it can come to you. He gives you that seed and it's exercise. But without faith in the one true God, the widow would have acted selfishly and in fear to protect her son, but she didn't do that. She obeyed the word of the Lord. Lord that Elijah began to speak to her. This is one mark of great faith, and that is obedience to the command of God. He said in verse 9, Behold, Elijah, I have commanded a widow woman in Zarephath there to sustain thee. I have commanded her. I've put that in her. And that's how God works. That says that God knew how she would respond. My question to you today is, does God know how you will respond? Amen. Does God have that kind of confidence in your obedience that what he speaks to you you will do amen I want to have that kind of uh, you know confidence from God in me that I'm going to do what he said that I would do amen God will begin to bring great blessing and and afford you a great uh, audience and great you know opportunity if he knows that you're going to respond the right way amen he's looking for obedience and God rewards obedience and that's 
the kind of faith that she had. That's the kind of attitude that she had. And we know from the word that God always blesses faithful obedience. So that's one example or one way that we know that she was a woman or a mother of great faith. You know, she had a son that it, they had one meal left and then they were going to die. That was all there was to it. But she began to trust God and she saw a great different outcome come to pass in her life. She was a woman of great faith and a woman of great faith understands her spiritual post. I love this part because God spoke it to me. Not only did he put that seed of faith in her to uh, obey the command, but when Elijah went to Zarephath, whenever he went to that place, he found her, the Bible says in verse 10, at the gate. And uh, let me read it to you again. It says, So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, there was that widow woman gathering sticks. And he began to ask her, Give me a drink of water. And then, you know, we read the, the rest of the Scripture. But I found that so interesting that Elijah found her at the gate. The gate is always symbolic or type of spiritual authority. Always. Don't ever forget that. The gate of your house is the doorway. It's the spiritual doorway. And what you allow in, amen, or, or, or what you allow, I'm going to tell you, God, it's, it's going to affect you and your household, amen? What you allow through the TV, what you allow through your children's phones, what you allow on your phone, whatever you allow, there's a gateway. And that's, that's one thing I want to preach to you today for just a second here and say to you that the, the, the gateway or the gate of the city in the Old Testament and even the New Testament was a place of authority. It was a place Lot sat as wicked as Sodom and Gomorrah was. Lot sat at that gate. And at that gate was the place where the angels of the Lord began to meet him there. And we know that there's a transaction of spiritual you know, things that take place. If you read the book of Judges, you know that Samson uh, began to go to Gaza. And God used him to be a deliverer. And he ripped up those posts of that gate of that city. He ripped up those doors and he began to remove them. God begins to give us a power and an authority at the gateway. And we, we, we can see great things bound and great things loosed. Amen. We can see God do great and mighty things at the gate. You and I must be watchmen as parents at the gate of our children and at the gate of our homes. Because God has commanded us to do that. Even going into the New Testament, Peter and John went to the beautiful gate and they saw a man there begging, but they didn't give him what he wanted or what he thought he wanted, but they gave him something better. They said, silver and gold have I none, but what I have, such as I have, I give unto thee. What am I saying to you today, mamas and dads, but especially mothers? God is using this woman as an example to say that if you'll stand guard at the gate, you will begin to see God move spiritually in your family for your children.
different and see everything change because the devil wants to destroy our families. He wants to destroy our lives. He wants to destroy the unity. He wants to destroy our, our, our children's future. And she stood there spiritually at that gate and the prophet came through and she got the miracle that she needed. Everything hinges upon moms and dads standing at that gate and guarding and awaiting for God to do a miracle. Amen? Praise God. Whew. Takes me a minute to get into second gear, but here I am. <laughs> the gate is always a type of spiritual authority. I was thinking about Don Norton that we heard when we went to Jared's, and there was about five or eight of us that went to Jared's uh, to Florida in uh, Pastor Jared Jenkins in a couple months back, and he's a great preacher, great pastor, has a big church down in Texas, and I believe it's in Dallas or Houston, one of the big cities, but he said uh, that he's just a very straight and direct man, and, and uh, that's the way the Lord wants us to be, you know, concerning spiritual things, and uh, he said that was a, a girl that my son in his mid-teens was wanting to date, and then she, she came to the house and uh, said, I had been praying, and the Lord told me she's not right for him. So he said, I stopped her at the door, and I said, no. She said, what do you mean? We have a date. He said, not today, honey. So I'm going to tell you right now. said, my son has a destiny, and he said, the Lord told me that, I'm, I, you know, I, I, I don't mean any disrespect to you, but the Lord told me that you're not a part of that destiny. And he said, you're a very nice lady, but I'm going to tell you right now. He said, my son's not going to be going out on a date with you today. And she just looked at him and turned around and walked away. Amen. Because he said, I know that she would have been his destruction and downfall. We have to stand at that gate. And sometimes people don't understand. They say, that's harsh. I'm going to tell you. I believe he ministered to her too. But God has a will and a destiny for our children's life. He's given us the, parent, the children to parent. We're not responsible to parent every other child in the whole world. But the ones that he gave us, we better put our best foot forward and in faith and stand at that gate and say, you know what? I'm not going to allow the enemy to come in and destroy my children and she said the widow woman said I'm here at this gate it was symbolic and she got her miracle because of her faithfulness mamas are you at the gateway guarding the entrance because that means everything to the posterity of your family her faith the widow woman's faith led her to the prophet of God led her to the prophet of God. And take note, she was in Zidon, which was Jezebel's homeland. Amen. Ain't it just like God to put you on the devil's territory? He said, I place a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Amen. <laughs> We're scared to death to go in the presence of our enemies, but that's where God wants to take us. Amen. Praise the Lord. But she was in Jezebel's hometown, and Elijah was there too. And uh, she had been raised under pagan idolatry, but she was surrendering to the one true God, Jehovah. And uh, I just want to say to you today, it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done or your past. Your past in Christ Jesus doesn't define you. 
Did you hear me, ladies? Your past doesn't define you. When Jesus met the woman at the well, he told her, I know your past. God knows our past, but he also knows our future. Amen. We got a glorious future in Christ Jesus, a wonderful future. Don't let the enemy bring up your past all the time when you're in Christ Jesus and try to bring you under condemnation. He said, there is therefore no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus. I know who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. You get saved, amen? You're not that person anymore. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away. All things have become new. Aren't you thankful that our past is behind us and we're to forgive those things that are behind us and press toward the things that are before us. You don't need to be looking back. You need to be looking forward. That's why your windshield is five foot wide and the little rear view mirror is only a few inches because God doesn't want you looking behind. He wants you looking forward. She may have been a pagan. She may have been a Gentile. But God said, I have commanded her. I've seen something in her. Elijah, go there. And he said, she's going to sustain you because she's in the will of God. God has a plan and a destiny for our life. Don't let the devil lie to you and tell you that you're not worthy. Because I can tell you, his blood makes you worthy. We're worthy in Christ. Don't let your past define you. It doesn't define you. It didn't define Rahab's. We go, who's Rahab? Read your Bible. Book of Joshua. Mothers, your faith in the one true God defines you. How you act out your faith says what you've got and who you are. She saw Elijah crossing her property and he begins to ask her for a drink of water. This is so close in similarity to Jesus crossing the path of the woman at the well. Amen. Great faith always acts to be a blessing. And not just any old blessing, but a sacrificial blessing. Do you hear me today? Water was scarce, but it was no problem really for her to go get him a drink of water. But then he begins to go further. And he begins to ask for a cake too. He said, while you're getting that water, why don't you bring me a cake too? Oh, you know, there's things that will say, you know, Lord, I'll do this for you. I don't have any problem doing this. I can do this. It's so doable. But then God asks you to do something that, that, that just seems impossible. Or it seems like if I do that, it's going to be the death of me. It's going to be the death of my finance. If I pay my tithe, I can't pay my bills. I want to tell you something today. God wants you and I to step out of that fear and step in faith. No matter what you see before you, He will honor your faith. Do you hear me he'll honor your obedience but he begins to ask her for a cake too and she tells him I don't have a cake all I got's a little meal and a little bit of oil I'm gonna make that that's what I was doing and we were gonna have a little last meal here and then we're gonna die and he said no you're not gonna die if you'll make me a cake first he said your meal barrel will never run dry amen you'll eat until this famine is over God will prove himself faithful to you time and time and time and time again 
again. The water being scarce. You know, it's, 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 there's not a lot of water here, she was saying, but it's doable. But this cake thing, I'm telling you, you're taking it to another level. God always wants to take us to, into a greater exercising of our faith and trust and dependence upon Him. Trusting God is without disappointment. He'll never disappoint you. If you can do it without God, it's not faith. You'll say, you know, I, I, I just don't know if I can do this. This person, you know, they need a little something to help them to eat or whatever. And you got money in your pocket. The Bible says do it. Don't sit there and, you know, debate on whether you should do it or not. Do it. If you got the wherewithal, do it. So I need to pray. Pray about what? They're hungry. Feed them. You don't have to pray. Some people don't need to pray about things. They just need to obey. We see a lot of weeping and crying in the altar. And I praise God for brokenness. But some people wouldn't be down here every other week if they just obeyed God. Hey, yeah. Come on. Amen. You know I'm telling you the truth. If you can do it without God, it's not faith. For it to be God and for His glory, it has to be a sacrifice in an impossible situation. We say, God, fill the meal barrel. Fill, fill it first. Fill the meal barrel and then I'll give you something, God. And He says, no, that's not the way that it works. That's not the way the Lord works. You know, true sacrifice is always out of a survival, not a surplus. Listen, I'm getting ready to load the gospel gun here. Hold on. Amen. True sacrifice, you need to write that down, is always out of survival and not surplus. So don't say, Lord, if you will just bless me with more, I'll give. He's saying, no, give what you have and I'll bless you. Are you hearing me? Give what you have and I'll bless you. We say, if you bless me, Lord, then I'll step out. No, we must give first, then the blessing is released. It applies in your giving, and you don't, e don't even look at me because I don't even preach on giving very much because this church is a very giving church. We have to be to provide for this building. God provides through your faithfulness. But what I'm saying to you is that, you know, you can't say, Lord, if you'll just give me this, then I'll be a blessing. No, He's waiting for you out of your sacrificial giving in every area of your life to see the release of the, the increase and the blessing to come. You know, I'm not a money preacher. I don't do that. But I'm telling you today, God's talking to you. Amen. He's wanting to say something to us because he needs to deliver us of the stingy spirit hey amen it's like the preacher that got up and he said i got good news and bad news the good news is we have all the money that we need for the building everybody applauded him he said the bad news is it's in your pocket so cut a check amen listen in every area of your life you've got to step out in faith 
I just don't think I can witness to anybody. Just Let me just give you a piece of advice or counsel or instruction rather. Step out and watch as God begins to anoint you. The people that step out, amen, God anoints them. The people that are timid and sitting back and waiting for God to tell them to do something. He said, I already told you, go into all the world. You don't need any more instruction. You don't need a burden. My goodness, the need is the burden. Come on, the need is the reason you go there's people lost without God step out and watch as he begins to anoint you and bring an increase I've watched it in this house I've watched people on the street ministry timid as they were they walk out there and God begins to use them he's not going to anoint you unless you're going to step out in faith he's not going to bless you unless you begin to step out in faith and give in sacrifice it's a sacrifice to give what you don't have or you think you don't have. I can tell you, God can multiply that. And as Becky always says, his math is not our math. Our math is not God's math. I don't know how he does it, but I know that he does. I know he's faithful. When we started this church, let me just share something with you. And I have tons of testimonies. But I want to share this one with you. When we first started this church, somebody gave me $100. It was our first offering as a church. And I remember having that $100. And we were at camp meeting. And as we sat in the camp meeting service, I said, we got this $100. And the Lord said, you might as well just give it. Why don't you start with this very first seed of faith? I said, Lord, it's, all, it's my only first $100. If I give $100, I'm going to have nothing. And and God said, I'm trying you right now. This church is going to be established on faith and trust in me. And he said, you're going to have to step out in faith. And you might as well learn the lesson now. A hundred dollars, is it, it ain't nothing anyway. Amen. In the grand scheme of things, just give it. And I said, Lord, it's like my two mites. I just gave it. And I said, bless it to this day. Let me tell you something that's going to make you shout this morning. Last year, this church gave $117,000 in missions. $117,000 in missions. I asked Angela, what? She said, yes. I said, my goodness. God reminded me this morning and he said, because you planted that one seed in the ground, people through the years have begun to give in missions. It's the heartbeat of God. Amen. Planting that seed. And it began to to well up in you. When we first started this church, I gave that $100. And when we went into that building over there at the Seven Day Adventist, I remember I walked in. We had been renting a, a little hotel banquet room for I don't even know what it was, $55 or something. It was, we just, whatever we could scrape together. And we're having church in that little, you know, that little banquet room that was about the size of this right here. And I had a, a, a pulpit with a speaker in it and a six-foot corded mic. I couldn't roam like I do now. I'd get out here and I'd go, oh, that's as far as I can go. Amen. I had that little speaker and it was blown, but I screamed and it bled. But whenever I went over and asked the seven-day Adventist at that time, I said, can we rent this building from you? 
He said, let's have a board meeting. I said, that could be very good or very bad. They had a board meeting, and they came back, and they said, $1,000 a month. I said, we'll take it. She said, hey, last week, $28, buddy. I said, 28, she said, $28 was the offering last week. I said, well, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. He's going to take care of it. We were in there in that hotel banquet room over there, and there was a church across the hallway having church the same time we were. And, uh, and you know me, I'm not quiet, I'm old yeller. And so here I am screaming at the top of my lungs, preaching to those 15 people. They had a bigger group over there, but after two or three weeks, the pastor was outside and he was waiting for me. And I walked out there and I said, oh, hi, nice to meet you. And we greeted and I said, uh, he said, I, could I talk to you for a second? And I said, uh, yeah. I said, I, I just, I just want to tell you something right now. I said, am I too loud? And he said, well, he kind of paused. I said, you've already answered the question. I said, don't worry about it. I said, this is our last Sunday. He said, oh, oh, what happened? I said, we were renting a church in La Habra. And he said, where? And I said, the Seventh-day Adventists. He, he said, how did you get in there? And I said, well, I just asked him. He said, we've asked him three times. And they said, no, every time. And he said, it's interesting that you were able to break into there and, and get, you know, uh, be able to rent that church. And I said, well, you know, we told him we're going to take it. And I said, you know, we're going to be there as of next Sunday, so you don't have to worry about me yelling. I won't be over here no more. Just you can have your service without disturbance. And he just said, okay, thank you. And I walked out the door. And uh, I, I, we didn't even have the $1,000 yet. But, you know, uh, I began to get on my face and pray. And I said, Lord, we gave that $100, gave everything I've got. I poured it into this church. And I said, you have to provide for this this ministry. I can't do it. I can't. I don't have anybody to borrow it from. I, you know, and so here I am and I'm, I'm crying out to God. And I said, Lord, I trust you. The next day, a man came to my door, Al Malone came to my door and he said, Hey, Pastor Jonathan, I got a friend you've never met, but I told him that you were starting a church and all this. And so he, 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 I was telling him, you know, we've been going to church and everything. He knew nothing about the church. Nothing about the $1,000 I needed. Nobody knew that but me and God and my wife. And I said, very, very nice. I hope he comes. He said he, he wants to come sometime, but he wanted to give you an offering. And I said, okay. And so he put that check folded in my hand, and I had enough respect to wait till he left to open it up. <laughs> when his bike pulled off down that street, I opened it up, and it was $1,000. Amen. And I said, thank you, Jesus. God's so faithful. So we learned, getting back to this, that you don't say, Lord, bless me, and then I'll give you. No, he says, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall God give back unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and all of these things shall be added unto you. Amen. He said, honor the Lord with thy substance and thy first fruits. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy wine presses will burst and run over. 
God is faithful. You know, the Lord told Joshua, tell them priests, go up there in that water. And he said, tell them to put their feet in the water and it'll begin to subside. You know, a lot of people say, well, I'm waiting for it to subside, then I'll walk. And God said, no. Tell them go on, put their feet in the water. That's faith. That's trusting God. When you step out and the water begins to subside, God is waiting on you and I. We say, I'm waiting on God. God is waiting on us. And He will respond with a miracle. Oh, thank God. You know, I'm passionate about this and I'm excited because I know the power of God. Mighty God. God is determined to make us women, men and women of great faith, mothers of great faith. And He will put us in situation after situation for faith to be exercised. So don't complain about the things you're going through. It's not a problem. It's God's opportunity. You're looking at it the wrong way. I got a problem. No, God has an opportunity. Amen. He has an opportunity to perform a miracle. It takes no faith to give out of your surplus, but great faith to give out of survival. Great mothers of faith give sacrificially. It's not what you give, but what's left over that measures your sacrifice. Did you hear me? It's not what you give, but it's what's left over that measures your sacrifice. All of them, when Jesus was watching them take up the offering, just for, for you that, that say God doesn't care about your offering, oh yes, He does. Jesus watched as they took up the offering, and He said, hey, watch this. See, all them that got thousands and thousands and thousands, and they threw in a thousand, but they had a lot more. He said, see that little widow woman over there? She put in her two mites. She put in the, the, everything she had, which was two mites. He said, she gave more than anybody. God does, does pay attention. Amen. He watches that act of faith. That's what he's calling us to. Amen. To give sacrificially. That's what Calvary was. Jesus went to Calvary. God gave his only begotten son. He didn't have three or four. He had one begotten son. And he gave him for you and I. That is the sacrifice of Calvary. The love of Calvary. So she believed what God said. I love this in verse 14. He said, For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. She believed what God said through the prophet, Your meal barrel will not fail, and your oil will not run out. What a promise. She exchanged the uncertainty for certainty. She exchanged famine for plenty. She exchanged death for life. God blessed her. In abundance. Great faith brings great blessings. Amen. If you look around the room and you say, I, I, you know, these people, this, this family or this person or whatever, they're very blessed. There's something behind that. I promise you. There's something behind that. There's something great behind that. The widow saw the promise of God and how it came to pass before her eyes. 
A lot of people say, well, seeing is believing. No. Believing brings the manifestation of what you're going to see happen as a miracle. God will not be a debtor to anybody. Thank the Lord. I've always said you cannot outgive God. He will not be a debtor to anyone. He will give back to you in a way. I, 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 you know, I, I, I know this not because just because it's in the Word of God, but I know it from my own life. I've practiced it for 32 years as a Christian, almost 32 years. God will never be a debtor to you. He will always give back. Think about it. The famine went on at this time for three years, three plus years. And the Bible says this is one of the greatest parts of the Scripture that a lot of people gloss over, and they don't really mention it. But the Bible says in verse 15, And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, made him a cake, gave it to him. And the, 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 the blessing of that was she and he and her house did eat many days. Um, I looked that up and studied that out in commentaries, and that meant her house, her relatives, her family, her friends. There were people that she was able to be a blessing to because of her faithfulness. Amen. In this day and time that we're living in, whenever people that have rejected God see the economies of this world begin to tank and we go through times of difficulty and challenge and people say, you know, are we going through, you know, a, a time of tribulation? I said, you, I'm going to tell you right now, I believe the church is going to be raptured out of here, but I'm going to tell you this much. We ain't seen nothing yet. I believe in, oh, pastor, don't be doom and gloom on Mother's Day. I just want to prepare you for something. People that, are, that, that complain about, you know, $6 gas, I hate it too. I got a V8, but I'm going to tell you right now, that ain't nothing compared to the way it's going to be during a tribulation time. So you ought to count your blessings, Lord, that we got food in our cupboard and that things aren't any worse than what they are. I know it's not going to get better. I know that's where we're headed. This is where we're going. What I'm trying to simply say to you is this. Let me get back up here because I want to close. What I'm saying to you is that there's going to be people in this last hour that are going to come just like they came to uh, Joseph in Egypt to be sustained because of the wisdom and the blessing of God upon a man of God. Amen. It wasn't Pharaoh. It was Joseph. It was Joseph's, the wisdom God gave him, the dream God gave him, the destiny God fulfilled in him. And so with that being said, in this final hour, there are going to be people that are going to come and, and, and they're going to look to you and I and say, there's something different. Why are they happy? Why do they have peace? Why are they content? Why are they not wringing their hands and fretting and worrying over everything that's going on in the world? Because this world is not our home. We have an eternity. It's in glory. It's a heaven, an eternal life with Jesus. We've got peace. Amen?
Praise the Lord. We don't have to worry about those things because we know and believe that He can cause the meal barrel to increase. He can. I, how did it happen, Pastor? I don't know. How did how did the man, uh, the little boy that gave the fishes and the loaves, the disciples begin to take them? Ron Hudson said it best. He said, just as sure as they'd rip a head off a fish, it'd grow back on. He said, they'd tear a piece of bread and whoop, it'd grow again. He said, it just kept until they took up 12 baskets of fragments. God knows how to take care of His children. Amen. And He knows how to make the meal barrel never run dry or the cruise of oil. I believe she went over there and Elijah told her, don't even look, just scoop. All it is is a handful. In God's hand, it's a lot. Whose hand's it in? It's in God's hands. She fed her son, the prophet, plus her house, her relatives, her family, her friends. Moms, your faith has the propensity, the possibility, and the promise to bless many, many, many people. Not just financially. Set that to the side for a second. Your faith in God affects your children. Affects your children's friends. Amen? The widow's son's future hung on that widow woman's faith. There was no man there. There was no husband. She was a widow. She was alone. I'm going to tell you in Bible times, if you were a widow and you were alone, you were in trouble. But not when you serve God. You got more pull than you haul. Amen. She had the blessing of God. Timothy was a product of his mother and grandmother's faith. Faith. Paul told him that, said, you have that faith that your mother and grandmother Eunice and Lois had. You have that same faith, Timothy. I see that in you. And you had to be somebody to go on the Apostle Paul's ministry with him. Amen. He sent John Mark home. So Timothy, you know, I can tell you, he, he was somebody that, that Paul saw something in. You know, I was thinking, my dad told me years ago, he said, you had a, a great, great, great grandmother. Her name was Daisy Skiles, and she had a, uh, she used to shout. She was a Pentecostal lady. She shouted around a potbelly stove. She shouted, and one day he told me she was a prayer warrior, and all these things they found out uh, as they went, began to go down through our, uh, you know, our history and our lineage and ancestry. And I was in prayer one day, I kid you not, and I, I, I wasn't thinking about it, I hadn't dwelt on it, my dad had told me this years ago, and I was in prayer one day, and I was like, Lord, I'm so thankful, I said, why, why, why did you save me, why do you love me, why do you care, you know, why am I here today, and he said, well, I love you, you're the apple of my eye, I love you with an everlasting love, but he said, you had a great, great, great grandmother that prayed for you. She prayed a prayer that was immortal. She prayed, and she's been gone for 100 years, but, or more, probably the 1800s, she's been gone, but her prayers never fell to the ground. You are a product of her prayers today. The Skiles family, all them preachers in the Skiles family, are a product of a woman of God's prayers that they didn't even know. I'm telling you, church, our faith, our, our stand for God, 
our faithfulness and our prayers, I can tell you, they have long-reaching effect. Not just here and now, but in the future. What kind of faith do you have, Mom? Where are you at, Mama? Because those kids, so many lives depend on what you do. Your children's life. Your children's friends are watching. You know, I look at Crystal and how she's got so many of these kids and people that she's impacted. Kevin and Crystal wrote us. And, and Crystal has a prayer group that she's a part of. And, and she's ministering to them. And, and how, how impactful during a time when some of these kids have lost their parents. How the Lord is using her to be such a blessing and a ministry of peace and life and hope. That's what God wants us to be mindful of and have that kind of faith. We sit here today reaping the rewards of great mothers of faith because of what they stood for. We're going to show a video here in a little bit. But Jalene Hottinger, Naomi Becerra, Maida Balsover, Cleta Cook, Francis Huffman, Sandy Fairbanks, these were women of God that were on our team called the Mountain Movers. And they moved mountains. They prayed. They had a prayer time. And they would bombard heaven. And the Lord reminded me, he said, it wasn't just their giving, it was their prayers. It was their dedication. It was their encouragement to me and my wife in some of our lowest times. I'm so thankful for mothers of faith. And today, as I come to a close, I want us to be mindful of this, to hold on to this faith. Paul said, I'm sorry, Jude said, earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. It doesn't matter that we start in faith. We have to finish in faith. And we need to finish well. And church, if nothing else, mothers, I hope you're encouraged today to know that God hears you. He's called you to something greater, to be that mother of faith in God. Because a lot of people in here didn't have that. But you know what? Some of you in here, you are you're spiritual mothers to people in this house. And thank God for you. I pray the Lord bless you in abundance. This morning, we're going to close in prayer. If you're here this morning um, and you don't know the Lord as your Savior, I want you to know today is your day of salvation. Jeremy, could you just play something very low in the background? If 